0: Welcome to Museum Way, the podcast of Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. We're sharing all the ins and outs of the museum, from the galleries to the trails, the architecture, and more. You'll learn the Museum Way of Crystal Bridges. The museum lives in a beautiful 210,000 square foot building designed by architect Moshe Softy. But what did it take to build a museum in the middle of a natural forest and a ravine nonetheless? And what does it take to keep it running? We'll find out today as we talk with Crystal Bridges facilities engineer, Ken Robinson. So let's jump into this episode of Museum Way. We're here with facilities engineer, Ken Robinson. Welcome to the podcast, Ken. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your history with Crystal Bridges, because you're probably one of the uh, longest serving uh, employees or staff members with us, I would say, right? Uh, Longest on site,
1: probably not near the longest as far as Crystal Bridges employment. Uh, I came on the property in uh, 2006 in the fall and uh, did not go to work uh, for Crystal Bridges until actually 2010. Uh, We were four years into construction when I transferred.
0: So what were you doing in those four years? Were you working for the construction company? Yes, we had a joint venture.
1: Crystal Bridges was so large that we had to have lindbeck Nabholtz join together for one time only to build Crystal Bridges, and Lindbeck's out of Texas, and Nabholz is out of Arkansas. So it was a good partnership, and uh, I'd heard about it, uh, a couple of news articles. I wanted to know more about it. Uh, so luckily, was able to get on board and uh, see it built from the ground up. must have been exciting since you're actually a local guy. Born and raised right here in northwest Arkansas. And yes, there was a few of us on site, but a lot of the folks that came in to build it were from Texas because Limbic is based out of Texas.
0: Okay, so let me start. I don't know, actually, you know, talking about this building is such an amazing building. Um, One of the things I wanted to know about was the construction process. We try to live and and dwell in a sustainable way at Crystal Bridges, um, and that started early on. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the decision of making the footprint of Crystal Bridges, how that went about? The footprint of the building itself uh, was
1: not allowed to do a normal layback of a one-to-one, so we were allowed about eight, nine feet all the way around the structures on a vertical cut so we could have mature trees right next to the building when the construction was completed, and as you see it today, that was successful.
0: So you literally kind of had to carve it into the ravine that it sits in? Absolutely. There were... um,
1: a lot of excavation, a lot of rock and earth, a lot of blasting, but uh, we were
0: really cognizant of trying to make sure that we did not disturb any more than necessary. Okay, so that explains why when you look around the building that you literally do see mature trees living next to it. Absolutely. The, uh, the, the setback
1: or the nine-foot uh, cut that we made around the property lines of all buildings uh, if they were shallow, that was easier. But if they were deep, it was more difficult because we had to hold that bank back or that cut back until the construction was finished. So we used soil nailing techniques and some other construction methods that uh, have not been used a lot around here, but some.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, as an engineer, that must have been quite a challenge.
1: It was difficult. Uh, the construction process coming out of the Arkansas ground was probably the most unpredictable because we weren't sure of the substrate were competent stone and things like that that we were looking for actually lay. So um, it
0: took a lot of research and a lot of borings and a lot of uh, technical data before we could even begin. Yeah, because we have uh, we have combinations of granite and, and limestone and sandstone and voids, as you call them.
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. Arkansas is full of all the, the items that you described under your feet and from the north end of the property it was pretty much loose chert and limestone and when you come down towards the southern end adman building great hall
0: it was pretty much hard granite you have a story about how during this process that you had meetings about how do we save specific trees or certain trees when
1: we started the construction process itself there were some that we had to move to because they were obviously in the in the way of the construction but if it were possible, we tried very very diligently to try to make sure that we didn't take any more out than necessary.
0: So there's a, there's a story of two particular trees. Uh, they're rather mythical. They stand as the symbol of our restaurant, Eleven. Tell me about Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise were um, uh, choice trees, tulip trees, that don't
1: really survive much further north than here. And we happen to be on that median line where the tulip trees are just about as far north as they'll really thrive. And so uh, we stopped construction, actually did quite a bit of redesign, brought in an arborist and uh, had him do some studies on, is it possible to save these two trees? And it was determined we thought we could if we redesigned the link. So therefore, as you see it today, the the link has a notch in it for the root ball of Thelma and Louise, and they're still doing very well today. So how did they get their name? Thelma and Louise was chosen by a person on site, and... uh, the Thelma and Louise movie were still fresh in people's minds and it just made sense to the guy to say, Hey, let's just call those Thelma and Louise because we were trying to identify by name as much of
0: the tree population as we could. And, uh, those just,
1: uh, those names just
0: stuck. Yeah. The, the infamous scene at the end of that film where the two characters are at the precipice of the Grand Canyon and make the choice, spoiler alert, to, uh, to fly off over the edge. Um, that's basically where it came from, and uh, I think it's been a
1: popular name and uh, has just kind of stuck because it seems
0: appropriate. Yeah, and luckily these trees have not gone over the edge. They've, they're still there. They're still there. All right. Well, what were some of the other forward-thinking um, and kind of sustainable practices that were considered when building the museum?
1: We were really careful about what we did for spoil removal, earth rock removal, and uh, trying to make sure we did concrete washouts and everything exactly uh, per spec, the uh, lumber materials that were sourced to try to come in to start with crystal bridges because it's mainly concrete, glass, and wood, and copper. Uh, that's the components that everybody sees when they come. Mm-hmm. And overhead in all buildings, uh, the galleries especially, you uh, library level, uh, you have the number two yellow pine, southern yellow pine, that was harvested in Arkansas. The biggest part of it all came from southern Arkansas. And uh, manufacture the manufacturer of the Lamb beams, uh, those beams as well are number two southern yellow pine. So... Pretty much everything overhead was a locally sourced product, and we tried real hard to, to put a radius around Crystal Bridge's construction site. And as much as possible, we tried to, to get local resources to fulfill that, and that was per
0: the owner's direction when we started. So that's really pumping um, money back into the local economy.
1: That was the purpose of what she wanted to see done is to make it where we could try to, right off the bat, help the local area while it was being built.
0: Well, and also, uh, I know that the trees that were taking out, taken out during construction, they've also been repurposed. It was all taken to a mill and harvested and dried.
1: And then we had the uh, craftsmen uh, build a lot of the benches. Most every bench you see in the museum today is from locally harvested wood from the site, so we could actually do some repurposing and get some
0: life out of it uh, after the fact. Yeah, that's really amazing. And even some of the promotional materials and boxes that were created... Yeah, some of the uh, giveaway items and things that were created
1: early on were, again, by local artisans, and they did use the uh, sycamores and hickories and
0: and maple and oak uh, that were taken off the site. Mm. I love the idea that those trees still live uh, in their home, so to speak. Yeah, they're still there, just in a different type. Different form, yeah. So what about the pond system? I'll tell you, most visitors notice that our ponds aren't crystal blue. So, And I love the story of how you built this building while preserving the, the, the creek? The waterway was a, a challenge from day one. Uh, the, the property, you know,
1: it's 120 acres and there was lots of places. It might have been a, a location, but Moshe Safdie and his vision, he saw it in the ravine, he saw it in the creek bottom. And so that started a, a pretty big process. We had to divert the stream during construction and then uh, try to watch for rain events to make sure that it didn't uh, impede us too much. But there's a lot of folks that rely on that stream, so we had to really worry about water quality and make sure that we didn't hurt the ecosystem and there wasn't any spills. Mm-hmm. And so the quality of water that the farmers used beyond us were still available to irrigate or to you know use for stock or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the process of the uh, building the Crystal Bridges, it took about two and a half years of FEMA-CLOMA regulations back and forth on paperwork to finally get approval because typically you don't build a world-class museum in a floodplain. <laughs> That's true. So it was a difficult challenge and uh, a lot of paperwork, but we finally uh, settled it all. And as you see it today, it's just as designed. It has actually performed as good or not better than what we
0: thought, you know, back in 06. But you all actually like drilled or bored a a pathway for it to to like drop down where you like, so to speak, turn off the creek, drop it down underneath and And it's still it's still able to do that now, right? That's correct. There was a diversion system created so that we
1: could do construction while the the waterway was still flowing. And so we brought it underground and we have a diversion well that does have a valve that we can today turn the water off and go back to the diversion system. If we were to need to drain the ponds or do any kind of remediation with the clay line or anything like that, it's possible now to do.
0: Mm. Wow, engineering is so fascinating. Pretty crazy. Did you know that we have a Frank Lloyd Wright house on the grounds of Crystal Bridges? Known as the Bachman-Wilson house, the structure is an example of Wright's classic Usonian architecture. Because the house was threatened by repeated flooding in its original New Jersey location, it was taken apart and each component was labeled, packed, and moved to Crystal Bridges, where it was reconstructed in 2015. The home is free to tour, but tickets are required and they do sell out. You some more information at crystalbridges.org. So a lot of people also wonder, um, what's the risk of flooding? One of the big insurance questions that I,
1: I look at every year, and they do visit us quite, quite often to talk about uh, how's the system running. Um, there were models done by local engineering firm, CEI, and they go with a 100 years or recorded data, and that's how they begin their studies, but they modeled it all the way up to about a 3,000-year plan to see what possible event could cause what kind of uh, damage. And uh, truthfully, in my tenure there, which is quite a while, we've had some pretty serious rains, and we've had some pretty serious rains during uh, construction as well as after construction, and the ponds ponds have performed uh, exactly like designed. Well, that's certainly comforting to those of us who work there. <laughs> it was very nervous for us while we were building it because I was trying to figure out how we were going to protect the uh, people, the art, the building, and uh, make sure that our uh, engineering and the practices that we put in place for the WEIR system especially uh, was going to work as design. But uh, a lot of people looked at it. A lot of people put a lot of math and thought into it and did a lot of computer models and uh, I was a little doubtful or skeptical at first because 100 years isn't a lot of data when you're talking about building a 300-year building. Mm. And so the models were very, very useful.
0: Okay. Well, Ken, tell us a little bit more about your current role. Uh, After construction, actually, before
1: we even got too far in construction, the folks at Crystal Bridges were talking to me about, uh, would you like to come to work at Crystal Bridges? And after 28 years in commercial construction, I thought, that might be a really good place to retire. I fell in love with the building during construction. I uh, knew it was going to be something that no one had ever expected or could see in northwest Arkansas. So uh, I was happy to jump on the opportunity, but my first few answers when they would talk to me about it was, let me get the building built. Uh, about one year before we opened, they said, you need to come over now. We need to get you ready for operations, which I had never done before. And as it turns out, I've been training for it my whole life. It just seemed to fit. It's a, it's a, It's a really good fit. So today... My basic duties are to make sure everything runs properly in the mechanical systems, electrical systems, plumbing systems, AVI. Everything that's in the building is is pretty much envelope. Anything to do with it is mine. It is something for me to take care of. And these are
0: some pretty complicated systems.
1: They're very smart. This uh, this building, uh, I've told everybody uh, since we've opened it, I feel like she's a living, breathing entity, and uh, we have a really good relationship. I know when she's happy. I know when she's sad. I know when she needs attention, when she needs some love. And so um, my job is to make sure my team uh, takes care of whatever needs she has.
0: You're like the building whisperer. I try to be. And uh,
1: as as the years <laughs> go by, I have learned a lot about what to listen for, what to, to look for. And uh, some of the sounds when we first opened, there was a lot of people that complained about the noise of the chiller room or this or that when they walked by the doors. Those sounds are like music to my ears because when it's
0: silent, I'm in trouble. Mm.
1: That means things are not running.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of people may not realize that we have to keep our galleries at very specific temperatures and humidities, Oh gosh! which requires a pretty complex system. Uh, uh, One of the
1: first guys that was on site uh, was my first boss, David Burkhardt, and he told everybody during construction that he thought we were building the building to house the mechanical because it was such a heavy mechanical system. But our gallery spaces, we hold at 70 degrees, plus or minus three, one and a half each way. And on relative humidity, it's 50% relative with two and a half percent each way. And that's really a razor's edge when you look at the the magnitude of the space and the volume of the space. Uh, all my career, I'd worried about pretty much making sure everybody was comfortable about six feet off the floor. In this in this property, we have to worry about all the wall to wall, floor to ceiling microclimates, everything. And with all the glass and and the concrete, which doesn't have a big R value, I was pretty concerned about being able to maintain it. But it's done very well. The engineering on this project was nothing was hardly missed at all. They, they thought of everything.
0: Mm. So what's your, what's your day, a daily, daily routine look like for you? I get to work usually somewhere
1: around 5am and uh, try to give 10 hours every day to try to make sure that we do what we have to do. Of course, when uh, the building calls, whether it's two o'clock in the morning or whatever, you do what you have to do. But I come in, I check the BMS system to make sure the building management system is, is where it needs to be. And, everything looks right on all the readings and the numbers. And then I get my computer and everything in my office fired up and get my emails answered before anybody gets there. Uh, Next step is I go in the second floor break room and make coffee for everybody to get the day started so everybody comes in and get a fresh cup of coffee. That's something I've done since day one during construction and for Crystal Bridges. It's just part of who I am.
0: I remember that's how I met you on my my first day at Crystal Bridges or first week sometime I went in there to get you were making coffee. That's how I met you. You'll see me
1: quite a bit in there making coffee. I, <laughs> I hope I don't make more than one or two, three pots a day, but sometimes I make more because it's just uh, something that's necessary. And I feel like the folks that are coffee drinkers, it's part of what uh, you do to make sure your day goes by smooth and you have the energy to complete the day. Mm. Do you have a name for the building? Not actually. I, I've, I've, uh, my baby, uh, uh-huh. Allison and I have <laughs> talked a lot of times about how's her baby doing and, and, uh, I treat it just about like that. I have a lot of personal involvement. Uh, I have a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears involved in the construction and after construction, and uh, I take it very personal. This this building means a lot to me personally, Mm -hmm. and so I have a lot of personal pride in how it looks, how it performs. Uh, It really hurts when something breaks because all mechanical systems are all man-made. At some point, they will break, and you have to have a plan in place, and so for the last seven years, Uh, our protocols have been prioritized basically on what could happen to bite us that we don't have an answer for today. Mm -hmm. And so trying to put programs in place, extra parts in stock, uh, service partners, which we have to have to help us keep it going, make sure I have all those guys on speed dial.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and hopefully when something does go down, it's not going to be catastrophic and I can get it fixed relatively quick.
0: Mm-hmm. And you are currently training the next generation to take over the building one day. Uh, trying real hard. It's a it's a difficult process, but
1: I do have some students that I've been working with that are employees of Crystal Bridges, some of D's team, some of my team. And I'm three years in on about a five-year program, and it's basically just to give them the basics to start on how to uh, correct an action or correct a problem. Or if they don't know exactly what to do, I'm trying to give them a place to begin. And Mm -hmm. so it's very difficult to transfer, you know, 30-plus years of knowledge in in a short period of time. But if you give them the right tools and where to go and who to call and what to look for, uh, it's a big leg up when they do get it handed over. And at some point I will retire and someone will have to take it over.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be sad when that day comes, but for now, you're still with us, and we Uh, really appreciate it. I hope to be there for a few more years. If my health holds out and uh, I'm still a
1: productive member of the team, I'm hoping to stay on. So what's your favorite space in the museum? Since the North Tower was constructed, the 100-foot bridge that goes back to the North Forest, I fell in love with that spot because you can see more of the buildings from the ground than anywhere else that I've been since I've been there. The only better view you're going to get is from an airplane. And so when you stand on the 100-foot bridge near the tower, you can see virtually a part of every building, and you can kind of understand uh, how large it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you a bit of, bit of perspective. How many buildings are there? Eight. Eight buildings. I count it as eight. You can chop it up any way you like. The museum store, the dining bridge, and the, and the uh, restaurant kitchen is all basically tied together, and some people have broken that down. But when I went to the city of Bentonville to, buy to get the permits ready, uh, I got eight permits, so I've stuck with eight buildings in my mind.
0: Eight buildings. And you're right, that view from that bridge is pretty stunning. It's crazy.
1: When I get a chance, if I don't have much to do, I kind of linger up there sometimes just looking around.
0: I also love that you can see the Roxy Payne Yield sculpture up top, um, and you can see the Buckminster Fuller uh, Fly's Eye Dome down at the bottom. Absolutely. Since architecture is one of our four pillars, uh, bringing on the Frank Lloyd Wright
1: House, and uh, the, the Buckminster Fuller Dome has been a big asset. But the Roxy Payne Yield uh, sculpture at the Teardrop is just beautiful from just any vantage point that you can see uh, from the bridge or from Walker Landing or from the west side over there where Gallery 6 uh, Dock is.
0: Yeah, it's pretty iconic. All right. Well, Ken Robinson, thank you so much for uh, joining Museum Way to talk about the baby. I appreciate it so much, Stace, and I appreciate you inviting me. Art connects us, and Crystal Bridges strengthens these connections through programs that bring people together, spark conversation, and inspire creativity. Expand your world and build your community by becoming a museum member. Members enjoy a wide range of benefits. Plus, your support helps fund the free or low-cost events, classes, and community outreach that allow Crystal Bridges to make the power of art accessible to all. Join now and get inspired. Inspiration awaits at crystalbridges.org. Thanks for tuning in to Museum Way. We hope you enjoyed the episode and tune in each month to hear more. Head over to our social media channels and leave a question or comment about what you'd like to hear on future episodes. I'm Stace Tree, and I'll catch you next month right here on Museum Way.